I'm Vince Roca. Did he say Venti Mocha? And, and I'm Martin Bailey. And we don't have a sound effect for Martin Bailey. Uh, Martin Bailey sitting in for special guest Michael Hutchinson. I was uh, I was just saying, I don't know. It's going to be interesting how I get through this podcast. Uh, I got hit with an allergy attack. I was... Uh, the hell was I? I was at Osh, and oh yeah. And uh, have you been to the new Osh stores? I haven't been, but like fertilizer and dirt. And oh, I, I was nowhere near that. But the oh, uh, yeah, you are You're walking the, to one of those stores. Well, okay, but I mean, I wasn't <laughs> near that aisle. But the uh, I think it's because so I was in Osh, and um, my nose, my left nostril started just irritating me. Uh, feels like it's really dry up in there, and um, I got a tissue and you know blew my nose. <laughs> Which might have been a mistake yep. because then uh, the sneezing started happening and I just – I feel fine. Like health-wise, I feel yeah. fine. Um, and this happens to me, I don't know, probably once a year. Uh, and I just got hit with this allergy attack. So uh, I was hoping that it would be a mild one that it would just go away and it just kept getting worse and I kept sneezing like every fucking 30 seconds. Yeah. So I popped a uh, chlorpheniramine, which is an antihistamine uh, allergy pill. Uh, and then an hour after that, I took an Allegra, which I take Allegra daily anyway. Um, but I took one, an additional one. And then an hour after that, I took a Benadryl. And um, so you're pretty stoned right now. After the Benadryl, I was able to function. Yeah. Uh, or at least, you know, I'm not sneezing every fucking 10 seconds. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. yeah, so I'm a little drowsy, and I'm probably going to sneeze at a couple of points. Uh, and I don't know. I don't know if my voice sounds different. If I ah oh, fuck. See, there's a nose. Anyway, uh, but I did I, because of the I was having an allergy attack. Instead of doing uh, I don't know other crap that I typically normal do, every day. Yeah, I sat stuff. down and I watched uh, Nomalisa, and uh, yeah, so I just finished. I actually just finished watching it, so it's fresh in my mind. It's um, a weird one, man. It's uh, it wasn't as bad as no. I thought it was going to be. It is uh, the story is about uh, the mundane. Every every day, everybody's mundane life and the occasional exciting event yep. that uh, changes that. Which you know, we all drive to work on autopilot and work on autopilot, and, and you know, even eat dinner on autopilot. I mean, I've uh, especially I, I think it's something that happens the older you get. But you, I'll be in the shower, and I'm, it's such a routine that I'll stand there and say, "Wait a minute, have I conditioned yet?" Absolutely. I don't know if I've done it. Um, and then there's those days where I mean you literally forget what Absolutely. step was next because yeah. you're you you don't you don't operate in thinking about those steps. I think when you're younger, um, it sounds silly, but taking yeah. a shower is still new to you. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> but when you you know the older that you get, you just go into an autopilot mode, so it's just the same fucking thing all the time. Especially when it's like, like your own house and it's like your own thing. And oh, like totally. You, you get up, you walk twenty feet, you yeah. wash your face or whatever. You get into the shower, you know, you do your thing. And it's like it, literally the same thing every day. Yeah, the steps aren't the same if you're in a hotel room. You're right. much more cognizant of that. Yeah, or at someone's house or, you know, yeah. whatever. But it's like if you're in your, your own place and, you know, even as a kid, you, you do things, you know, in the bath or in the shower, you know, ch- change things up. You know, you, you bring toys or do stupid shit. And then as a teenager, and you know, God only knows what's going on in there. And as an adult, you're like, eh. But, uh... So, I mean, the movie just covers those mundane moments. Yeah. Unfortunately, there's no, like, major realization or something that, you know, awakens our lead character. And 
there's no there's no lesson to be learned from this movie. Like I didn't walk away right. going, oh, if I stop right. to smell the roses, then life will be better. Yeah, um, it's definitely Charlie Kaufman's take on if you change your routine, this might happen. But then again, you're going to go back to your routine, or you make everything a routine once you know, even if something new well, does happen. Well, the you. movie covers that the shiny new toy loses its shininess, yeah. uh, and. But anyway, I don't know that I would ever recommend someone to see Anomalisa. Um, but it yeah, wasn't no. bad. No. I just wouldn't. It's another one of those movies we've been talking about off the uh, this podcast here. Several movies. I would say at least 30 movies so far that I've watched this year. Not uh-huh. one of them. Would you really want to watch a second time? Let alone give it like a thumbs up and tell your friends you have to see it. It's been a very, very strange year well, for movies. Especially for independent movies. Most independent movies you are like... There's something there. There's a character or there's a riff in the story. You know, there's something there. You're like, you have to see it because of this. And it's like so far this year, it's in very, very few movies that I would recommend. Like you need to stop what you're doing to watch. And that was one of them. You're just like, it's interesting. It's new because it's the style it was made. But it's definitely Kaufman and his weirdness and awkwardness. And just, you know, I, I... I just sat there and thought it was just a very strange story, very strange movie. And then you're like, oh, well, Charlie Kaufman and his people. And- yeah. I mean, being John Malkovich, I, I did. Here's the thing about Anomalisa. Uh, I didn't laugh at all. Yeah. Like, no. I understood that they were, yeah. were jokes. Right. Um, what is uh, what does the girl say? She I think I snickered like once or twice. I didn't even snicker. Yeah, but there like, were like there were jokes. And I was like, oh, that's a joke. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those jokes where you go, that's mm-hmm. funny. Yeah, but you don't laugh, right? Um, which it—that is such the worst thing. A comedian, yeah. it for a comedian, oh, yeah. for you to say to a comedian, "Oh my god, that's so funny," but you don't actually laugh yeah, is no terrible. Giggles. Yeah, um, because the joke is funny. Yeah. The delivery was terrible. Um, it yeah. just didn't work, and right. that's—I think that's the case. But it just lives up to this mundane style. <laughs> anyway, what did you see? I finally watched the movies uh, this week, uh, and I saw Room with uh, Brie Larson. Right. And uh, that amazing kid. Oh, my God. That kid. You like the kid. He was amazing. Okay. Absolutely stunning performance for I didn't think that. Like I didn't think the kid was kid very to, good. Well, to go through that. you know, seven-year-old kid is a seven-year-old kid, so I didn't think anything special of it. Um, and to explain that, like when we first saw Dakota Fanning, uh, which mm. I think was like in a cheeky Disney type movie. Yeah. Uh, mo- moment one is like, oh my god, that girl is amazing. Right. Uh, unfortunately, she hasn't really lived up to that in recent it's, years. It's, yeah, it's really strange. She she kind of just fell off the map. Yeah. Her sister Ella in uh, Super, Super Eight. Eight yeah, there's there's the movies. moment where yeah. I mean you're stunned. Yeah. Like I don't know. I think she's 14 years old in that yeah. movie, but. Man, woman, child, it doesn't matter who's in the audience. You yeah. fell in love with that yeah. girl. I, she's Absolutely. fucking incredible in yeah. Super 8. Well, that's one of the um, few movies in the, in the last 10 years I didn't want it to end. Because Super of, 8? Because of those two. Just those two kids. His his eye-opening to the world away, you know, and uh, her getting away from her day. Just the storyline was fascinating and just, you know, again... J.J. I, Abrams just I love knows, Super 8. I thought it was you know brilliant. He knows how to deal with characters and he knows how to bring... Uh, you know, something new, something fresh, and something so real. You're just like, you got to know those kids, and you're like, I want to know more. I want to know their next adventure. I want to know 
you know, the next alien attack or, you know, whatever's going to happen to him. I do feel know? super so. eight. And but I'm so in love with the movie over halfway through it that I get I don't care when the plot holes and problems begin oh, at yeah, yeah, the yeah. end of the movie. Yeah. But it followed the War of the Worlds thing of like um, the aliens need us for food. Right. But yet they're destroying us. And are they need us for fuel, but yet they're destroying yeah. us? Like it doesn't make so much sense. But <laughs> yeah, but again, anyway, it's like you sit there and you're like, well, he had to have a bad guy, and then of course you find out the bad guy is not really bad. Yeah. So the bad guy is actually humans. Uh, so it was very Spielberg-ish. room, 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 uh, and Brie Larson. Holy crap! To, to go through a movie like that, and some of it, and it's funny. It's uh, it's one of those performances you just sit there and you watch the little nuances, and I think that's why I like the kids so much, and the way it was directed. You 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 hear him talk. This little kid talk about things that we're used to. Things that we're you, you, there. It's not a nuance, or it's not nothing new to us. When he you know starts talking about uh, the new things that he's you know seeing, the new things that he's doing, and uh, it, I thought that was brilliant. And it wasn't overdone, which could very easily have been. Um, it could have been all of a sudden just those real super close ups of him. You know, talking about the new things that he's saying, but it's just little snippets, and you're just like, yeah, that would be like just free- the whole story is freaky. If you haven't seen it, you, you, that's one movie that you might need to see. Like out of the, I would recommend people out of see the, Room. the independent little movies this year. Yeah. That's one. That's like an hour and a half movie where the performances and the horror that's really behind it. It's another uh, really similar to Big Short. Just the the undertone of the true horror of the movie. Um isn't you know the forefront which is nice it's like you get to see the characters you get to see how they deal with things and um you know the the choices that we make you know type of thing again uh it always goes back to that you know obviously in film but it's like these these choices and brie i think brie did a couple of just a couple of sequences a couple of scenes that again when you do it that well i don't ever i can't see another actress doing the movie and i think that's what the kind of performance you need to to portray, to you know, be up for an Oscar, be up for the awards that she is getting and the accolades that she's getting. It's just a couple of scenes here and there. You're just like, holy shit! Just what she went through, and then afterwards, what she's going through. Uh, she was really just quite amazing. And I've always, I, I've actually liked Brie in other things, other smaller movies that other smaller roles that you know she she brought some quirkiness and some weirdness and some fun, you know, to other roles. So it, I think she's a pretty damn good actress anyway. But this is one of those roles you're just like. Holy crap! What she goes through is, you know, it's just kind of pure insanity, and uh, I just, I really enjoyed it. I really, I actually did like the kid. I liked her, and then uh, Joan Allen, I thought was unbelievable in the few scenes that she, you know, I'm talking about underrated actresses. Uh, I thought she was brilliant. Now, uh, the room for people who don't know is about uh, a girl who's abducted and then kept in a room. She is kept in a shed for seven years. And in that time, obviously, between the rapes, she has a kid. And then the kid grows up witnessing nothing but the shed, but the yeah. room. Yeah, but and that's room. why it's called room. Not a room or the room. It's just called room. Right. And that's how she explained things to him. She made everything incredibly simplistic because that was the only way she could. She had a handful of books. And it was just basically she was a 17-year-old kid. So she didn't know how to be a mom. She, you know, She had no help. And uh, so she just explains things very, very uh, easy, you know, to him. And then he gets out into the world and he experiences other things. But uh, 
So they're in the shed for seven years, and that's yeah, the, that's, that's what I mean by the the undertone of the horror is. You, that's you, not much of a, a a spoiler. They get no, out no, of the no. they get out of the room. Yeah, about halfway through the movie, yeah. because half of the story is what happens when they do get out of the room. Which I think is more of, but I think uh, as, as a movie, as a horror, as it unfortunately, is. the spoiler there is as a movie goer going in, you are wondering, do they get out? Um, yeah, but if you see because you're wondering where this I, this movie is going to go, are they just yeah. going to spend the entire time yeah. stuck in? But this if you room? see the trailer, or if you see you know other like you know what commercials or whatever you want to call it, you, you see them out of the room. So you know, it, it's one of those things. Go on YouTube, check out the trailer, and you can see, um, you know, a couple of you know a couple of shots here and there of it. But uh, yeah, I just. Uh, I don't know that kind of stuff, and no spoiler alert. You, you you get to see and witness, you know, the monster that you know held her captive, and of course he's just an everyday Joe, and that's the other. Well, that's or, you know, that's, that's been a, the case with all of these people. Yeah. Who, all these, well, I guess girls. Are, I don't know if any boys. All these girls that get abducted and have been kept captive is yeah. the uh, captivator is just a regular guy. Yeah. You know, his neighbors are like, oh, yeah, I, he once came over and helped me replace my brakes on yeah. my car. Um, yeah. You know, would have never thought that it would be him. Yeah. Um, but that's, and, that's, and that makes the story even, like, crazier because you think, like, he's a monster or he's this or he's that, and it's like, you know. Well, that's what we want to think. Yeah. We want to think uh, – I mean, he is a monster, but we want to think of him as the as actual, yeah. you know, monster, as as Freddy or Jason, yeah. as someone that we can recognize as evil. Right. Uh, and the problem with that is, is uh, I mean, on our day to day life, we can't recognize no. people who are evil. No. Um, that's why know. the Freddies and the Jason movies. I mean, that's why they work on that level. You know, because they're, you know, a silent monster. Well, that's people's, that's like uh, racial profiling. I mean, that's people's desire to, they don't want to let refugees into the country right now uh, because it's really easy to look at them and say, oh, they're evil. Um, Yet you forget about, is it Timothy McVeigh? Yeah. Uh, The the Unabomber? Is that the right? The Unabomber. Yeah. You know, know, all the... all the normal looking people in our country uh, that have, I, I believe, what was it? I read this uh, and it's true. Uh, there have been more terrorist attacks on American soil by Americans than, than by, any other yeah, foreigners. Yeah. Um, so we don't want to recognize that, but uh, I like the room. I don't know that I'd ever watch it again. I would recommend again, someone to watch it again. It's another one of those movies. I don't know if I'd ever watch it again, yeah. but I would, I might sit down with someone else and watch some of it or something, but I mean, because it's a very intense story, and uh, it, it, the way it plays out, it's you know, it, I was it, it's pretty deep and it's it's pretty. I was fascinated the Casey Lee Dugard story, the part yeah. that fascinated that for me, and I've never really read up on it, but a husband and wife yeah. kidnap her, then. She's kept in a shed in the backyard. In tents in a shed, and, and mm-hmm. she uh, has he fathers three children with her, and then she moves into the house and starts working as part of the business. Um, and she's kidnapped at uh, like eight years old or something yeah. like that. So after enough time, she grows up with that. Uh, the part that blows my mind that I just want to know so much about is his wife. Yeah, like how. How did you? How do you convince her we should go steal this eight-year-old child? Mm-hmm. Then it's obviously after child one. I mean, there's mm-hmm. no hiding that he's been having sex with this, right. you know, kid in his backyard. Well, he he obviously he obviously not obviously, but I mean, he met another psychopath, or he met uh, a submissive, you know, 
piece of shit. Massively. Just you know? massively. So, I mean, it's, just it's either or. I mean, it's Massively either, confused. It's either the natural or... born killers where you meet the girl and the girl does crazier shit than you. Or it's the girl that goes along with it. You know, just she's fascinated or she's scared or, you know, whatever that she's going through, um, you know, to be involved. Because um, I, so. I, I believe that along the lines, movie wise or even in real life, um, you could convince one other person to help you do just about anything. Right. Yeah. And as long as they don't have enough time to fully, you know, understand or contemplate yeah. what's going on. Yeah. Uh, if you move quick enough, you can convince one other person mm-hmm. to rob a bank, yeah. murder someone, kidnap someone, whatever. Um, when you are trying to convince two other people, yeah. Yeah. that's where I think shit falls apart. Yeah. Like even most crimes that you hear about uh, do not have more than two people involved. Right. It's not, you know, a, a three or some crime syndicate or something like that, uh, unless they're afraid of their boss killing them, I guess, like El Chapo. But uh, uh, so I, I that part has always fascinated me. Uh, not so much the killer or the uh, uh, the, the assaulter or whatever, yeah. but the accomplice. Yeah, and uh, how that's one of the, that's one of the few like, things I, that fascinated me. Like uh, I want to say, when I was in my teens, when I started reading up on horror novels, I wanted to you know go more into it, and I started reading biographies and then getting into history books and actually reading stuff that my teachers you know didn't even want us to read. Um, they wanted us to read boring books. I went out to find interesting stories and to really fascinating to watch, uh, you know, some of the interviews with Dahmer and to, you know, fascinating to watch some of the interviews with these FBI agents that that's all they study. They're, you know, the psychologists that will just sit there and study people like that for years and years and years. Yeah. You know, so death penalty or not, I always, I always think that they need to be in a specialized hospital and to be looked at and prodded like what we think aliens would do to us. Um, <laughs> and I think, that, yeah, I think that's their, their torture is instead of a six by six jail cell with all the accolades and, and fame that, you know, like a Manson gets or whatever. It's like, no, put them in a hospital and have them watch 24 hours a day by hundreds of doctors, psychologists and all that, ask a million questions and just drive them fucking nuts that way. But to really study a one does the leader or the the person do this? But then B, why does somebody follow and why does somebody, you know, agree with doing this stuff? You know, we need to study that part of the psychology of our brain because, uh, like you said, uh, you know, give anybody about five or ten minutes, you can go do something, you know, something crazy. Let me have that blue pad. But then sometimes it, it, it always comes down to if they don't think about it, of course they'll go do something. But if you're going to kidnap someone and then have kids with them and then have them around for years, obviously, what the hell is going on in that person's mind to let that still happen? So to go rob a bank takes five minutes and then you just live with it, you know, by yourself. But mm-hmm. it's like you're going to rob banks for the rest of your life, you know, then other crimes and other things. It's like what the hell is going on in your brain for somebody to to push you or to make you do things? Um yeah, it's 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 now, crazy. A quick side note: you mentioned yeah. um, the accolades, or not the accolades, but the gifts and things that are showered on people like Manson, like yeah. celebrity criminals. Yeah. Um, I just watched the uh, four-hour miniseries that was on ABC, Madoff, mm-hmm. about Bernie Madoff. Yeah. Uh, Richard Dreyfus is phenomenal uh, in it. He plays Bernie Madoff. Um, the, uh, I mean, I knew the Madoff story. Uh, I 
you know, I, like everybody, you knew enough to get by or, right. you know, all that. Um, the It goes into depth of how Bernie's Ponzi scheme started and uh, how it just kept growing and growing and growing. And at any point, he, he got away with this for 40 years, but at any point during his Ponzi scheme, like when he had stolen, you know, $50,000, he was breaking the law. When he stole a million dollars, he's still breaking the law. Like, if he'd have been caught 40 years ago, yeah. then, uh, you know, we, we wouldn't have been $50 billion, which is what it ultimately was. But he goes to jail the same amount of time. Yeah. So, you know, once you're in, you're in. Yeah. It's, uh, it with money, um, once you cross a certain amount and it becomes a felony, it just doesn't matter anymore. It's not like with killing, where if you kill 50 people, you get more time in jail than if you kill one person. Yeah. But anyway, he, uh, He's in jail now, and once he went into jail, he became a celebrity mm-hmm. to all the other inmates. Yeah. Like, here is the dude who stole $50 billion. Like, yeah. there's no one in jail that's stolen more than him. They worship him. Yeah. He is the best fucking criminal yeah. in jail, and he stole it from lily white people, rich motherfuckers that, you know, are nothing like the rest of the prison population. So... Uh, he, he says, there's a line where he says that he wakes up every morning or before he was caught, he woke up every morning with a pit in his stomach about the lie that he was telling. But now that he's in jail, uh, he doesn't have that lie and everybody loves him and they think he's famous. So I thought that was interesting of, uh, now Madoff's, uh, kid, one of his kid dies of cancer and the other kid kills himself two years later to the day as a big fuck you to dad. Um, so it's not like him at all though, because of the guy, I mean, to me, he is a true psychopath. I mean, Bernie Madoff, yeah, sociopath. Because of you know, he doesn't care what he's done to people. He doesn't care what he's done to families. Um, it's like I've known people that have gotten screwed over by him. You know, I know people personally through through that. And you see him, and you see his lawyers, and it's just kind of like mm, you were dumb enough to go with me. So I mean, it, it just yeah. you know, it's like that kind of it's the same. It's the same complex. You know, it's like when I screw somebody over, no matter how I screw him over. You know, I am a god. And then, like you said, people are treating him like a god. So that's just feeding ego and feeding. Yeah, now that he's in jail, know. he'll never get out. But um... it, and it's, what's funny is, like, if he if he makes it through jail, I mean, I don't think he'll ever get out, like you said. Yeah, he, he's too but, old and his sentence but, is time for to come up for parole. And uh, the Madoff name is destroyed if he did get out. Yeah. I mean, there's what he what could he possibly do? Um, the only thing is, I mean, if he did, you know put some money somewhere under different names, which you might have, you know, he could go live on an Island somewhere, but it's just like, you know, people like that, you, you just, uh, that's somebody to study. You know, if I was an yeah. FBI, if I was a psychologist, I would want to go study that too, because so many people worked for him and worked with him. He was not alone in this. The movie covers that. So yeah, no, no. I mean, I haven't seen this particular yeah, yeah. movie. It's like, I, I've known enough people. Like I said, it's a four hour yeah. miniseries. It was on ABC. You can watch yeah. it on VOD. It's phenomenal um it's you know like binge watching tv because they're done in like one hour episodes so every hour has you know beginning and middle end and an arc and you know act outs um which is why i think that i I definitely want to see it i mean i I wouldn't you know i wouldn't mind watching it it just yeah it's um, it's another on the list another on the list (laughs) uh back to the room or room uh, another movie I wanted to mention real quick that I think had similar tones when we were talking about trying to convince more than one person to do something. Uh, you remember the movie Convenience? Yes. 
a phenomenal. I love this movie to death, mm-hmm. and uh, I've seen Convenience. I think twice, and I really should watch it again. Uh, Convenience is a true story about a, a guy who calls uh, McDonald's, impersonating a police officer, uh, gets the manager of the McDonald's to strip search one of the employees all over the phone, and then gets other employees, other employees involved in this. And the uh, so it's convincing not just one, but convincing more than one. Mm-hmm. And it's fascinating um, learning the way that the guy speaks. Uh, the authoritative way that police officers speak to us. The psychology behind yeah. this movie is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, you would think, I mean, during the entire movie as you're watching it, you're saying there's no way this is real. There's just no way. And then you start reading the news story and every bit of this is real. Like they took it, no it, creative the, license. The crazy, the crazy thing is in that movie, they don't even go into all of it. I mean, because no, you, know, you can't. It happened over hours. And yeah, hours and she's hours. there for. Uh, you know, fuck, she, I don't know. It like was a full day. Hours, it was it yeah. was a full day, but he did it to several people over a payphone, <laughs> and he's on a street corner on a payphone. I mean, if you really if you dive into, it. I think he was from a burner cell because they were tracking. Oh, okay, maybe he did. They change, tracked he back phone. to okay, but it went to cells. like it went to a payphone anyway. Um, yeah, because that's how they were able to find him somewhere in Florida. Right, they, they found the guy. And they, uh, I think they arrested him, but they weren't successfully able to charge him. But since his arrest, all of these incidents have stopped. Right. Uh, So they, uh, obviously they got the right person. Yeah. But uh, being able to convince more than one person to commit a crime is fascinating in that movie. Uh, The psychology behind fast food workers and what they're taught and how they're taught to follow orders. Yeah. And how they're groomed that you did a good job, and these... and, you, and you see the people that actually who work there are eerily similar to like military style. They you, were all you're, educated. You're, you're all told, you know, from one boss what to do, right? And you follow in line. Where the people that quit or get fired almost immediately from fast food is are people who are quote unquote rebels who were just like you know. Well, she's saved. So. She's ultimately saved by the maintenance man right. who had the lowest education out of yeah. everybody but this is the guy who you know always questions authority questions yeah. everything and so for him he walked in on the situation and it took a matter of moments right. for him to go what the fuck are you doing right. uh where everybody else they become so part of our system so part of uh you know go to school get the good grade mm-hmm. um I was just uh, I was having to defend. I I never thought that this would fucking happen. Um, there there was a discussion on one of my friends' pages about uh, Common Core. Mm. Not even this. Michael has had to talk, teach Common Core. It's not even Michael's page. This is another friend like wondering what the hell this is. And you look at Common Core math, and everybody. There's a lot of YouTube videos that make fun of it and go, "Oh, this is ridiculous. Why don't we just teach it the old way?" And it's because, and I had to defend this and explain. Uh, what Common Core is. Uh, Common Core is about teaching you why this is the answer. Right. Not about how to get to the answer. How to get to it, right. The way that we do math and the way we've done math forever is a formula. Here is the formula for subtraction. You know, take this number, borrow from this number. And by the way, teaching a child how to borrow from the left number to the right number is mind-boggling. Right. Like kids understand addition, they don't understand subtraction. So <laughs> it takes a while to get subtraction. So Common Core is about showing, basically taking a number line and showing the kids how you get to that answer. And it is about teaching kids not only to, or teaching American kids not only to just 
follow the formula or how do I get the answer? Just tell me how to get the answer. I don't give a shit. Just tell me how to get it. But why am I getting this? Why are we doing this? Why is this that? And uh, that's a bit, I, I see why it's been implemented because a big problem with our society and a big problem with uh, our educational system is nobody asks why people just, okay, let's read the facts of how Abraham Lincoln freed the slaves and then let's answer the multiple choice and let's move on to the next subject as opposed to why the fuck did Abraham Lincoln free the slaves and why did we have slaves and why, why, why? And asking all those questions to get those answers. But anyway, uh, convenience is a a movie everybody should see. No, but very few people want to answer the question why. Well, that's the thing, though. It's like if you really look at teachers, they're not even really properly taught to answer that question. So they always whitewash it and like, oh, you just you just have to know it. You have to know it for this test. Or right. This is just how it is. Right. And you're like, that's not an answer. So like I was that rebel. I was that kid. You know, it's like I took algebra three times, three times. And I had to go to summer school over it because like my question was, why? Why are we learning this? Yeah. What does it has have anything to do with my life? Now, did you figure out why? No. And I still haven't. I've not used algebra one time in my life. You have not. Algebra. And when I do, when I do, other people have done it for me. I've walked into this house. Algebra and geometry made this house. Guess what? I don't give a shit. I didn't build the house. I just like the house. You know, and that's that's where my common core, my common sense is other people are using this. I don't want to use it or I don't care. And I don't see anybody over there. But your neighbors were pretty loud. I didn't know if the those gardener, people. Yeah. If the gardener was here, the um, gardener's here. The dogs. But yeah, it, it's it's. I've always, and I take it right from my parents. My my dad was very very much like that when I was a kid. He would actually ask that question. It do is you, fine. Do you don't you need you don't need algebra to function in life, as we no, know. You don't like, need do you, fractions to function. If he in if you read stuff to us, or if we were going over homework or something, he always did answer. Do you know why? Do you understand why this is this way? And I think I took that really to heart. Like, I remember those conversations as a small kid and a teenager. And it wasn't to make me a rebel or to make me an asshole. It was, please explain to me why am I doing this? Why am I sitting here for six months in this classroom? Right. Why am I sitting here, you know, for this job or, you know, whatever, um, when other people can be doing it? Yeah, teachers fail so, to explain the purpose of algebra or yeah. therefore further on the purpose of calculus and trig and all of that. Yeah. The and the first taste that kids get with it is uh, fractions. Yeah, that's the introduction to algebra and uh, and no one understands like why we're going to use fractions because decimals seems to work just fine and it makes sense with our dollar system. Yeah. Fractions are about are their first step in teaching you another way of doing math, another way of thinking. Yeah. Algebra is another way of thinking. Calculus is another way of yeah. thinking. So learning these is not about. Uh, not that not about something you're going to directly use in your life, but it's about exercising your brain and teaching it other ways to think right. and to truly think outside yeah. that box is is what and to go back is and to go back to these movies and to go back to the psychology. I mean, you can you can sense you know the Timothy McVeighs, the Dahmers. You know, these people were. Well, you, you definitely know. have to think out of the side of the box to be like, how do we blow up a building or abduct a child or, right. you know, I mean. Well, that's, a, yeah, absolutely. But it's just like, how do we. <laughs> that ain't in the box. <laughs> no, that's what I'm saying. So, like, how do these people get there? And how does the psychology of, you know, followers, you know, follow the leader or you becoming a leader? You know, where does that come from? And I think that's why Room and, Con- like you said, these movies actually do work when they're made, you know, kind of a specific way. These books, these stories do work. 
Um, we're not going to understand why. I don't understand, you know, why people do this. No, we're never going to understand. You know, why. And thank God I don't have, you know, whatever God's out there. Thank the Lord of whatever that I don't have that part of my brain where it does make sense. The Lord baby Jesus? Yes, the, the Lord baby, the baby Jesus. The baby you know, Jesus. Or, or Islam or whatever the, you want to believe where's in. Where's uh, my baby Jesus? Where's the tuxedo? Yeah. But, it's, <laughs> but it's like, I. that's the thing that fascinates me, and I think that's why I'm so engrossed and enthralled with like these kind of movies, these kind of stories, and why I like horror so much. Like, why do we do these things to ourselves? And it's, uh, you know, uh, it, it's always fascinated me. And, and you see this movie, and you, and you watch it, and you're like, what the fuck? You just sit there and you're like, what the fuck? You know, what was, what the hell is going on? And uh, I watched the movie with Deborah. The Room. The Room. Yeah. La- or, well, room. room. Yeah. Last night. And uh, at the end, uh, no spoiler on the end, they're in the backyard. And the camera is a great, great cr- camera, you know, shot. And it's just going into this, you know, the backyard. Mm-hmm. And she notices, she's like, wow, he has a gardener. Like, what's that fence? And why does he have a bench? Blah, blah, blah. And all I can think of is he beautified he beautified the backyard somewhat because even in the back of his own mind he knew something was ugly back there. So somewhere in his psychology in his abnormal you know abnormal way of life he had to have a beautiful backyard because he knew somewhere. Well, that's the guilt, right? I yeah, mean, guilt. I mean, whatever. Whenever it is. you've done something whatever wrong, it is. yeah, yeah, you yeah. have Because it's like you know, guilt. if you do rob a bank. There's a part of you like, oh, maybe I'll give 20 bucks to charity tomorrow. Or you go by Salvation Army and you see the Santa Claus and you throw 50 bucks in. Right. Because there is a part of you like, oh, shit, I just did something wrong. I have to make it right or, you know, whatever. So there's always that, you know. Uh, that- or you have to believe. And, and this is, I think, where maybe the Bernie Sanders not feeling sorry is. You have to Madoff. believe so much that the person you Bernie robbed Madoff. from. Bernie Sanders will oh, I'm sorry. That's right. Bernie Madoff. Don't uh, the like person that. that you did something against deserved it. Right, right, right. And that yeah. takes away your guilt. Right. And that's where you do like the sociopath. That's where you are all of a sudden. You're just a very, you know, straight. I'm not 100% sure that it's sociopath. I mean, well, I mean to we me, draw. Mind, so I, you, I name it something because I don't understand it. Like uh, no. it's, it's perfectly acceptable to kill a fly. Right. But not to kill a dog. Right. But a dog could be just as much of a pest as a fly. And we're not allowed to kill humans, which could also be more of a pest than a fly. So these are lines that we have drawn as people. And to cross them, we can say, oh, that person's crazy or sociopath or whatever. But to them in their mind and their world, they've justified, they've created whatever reasons they need to cross that line or to push that line somewhere else. Um, Next movie. The next movie that I let's get off the, I recommended, the I recommended for you to watch was Me, Earl, and the Dying Girl. And I finally watched it. And uh, going back to my own personal life, I've been doing... Now, I would like to say, oh. when we started watching the movie yes. with Deanna, okay, yes. this is no spoilers, but I said to Deanna, the movie is called Me, mm-hmm. Earl, and the Dying Girl. Right. So... Expect there to be someone named me or someone who I am, right. dude named Earl, and a dying girl. Right. And it's in the title, the girl's going to die. Right. It's like the movie Lone Survivor. They don't all live. Right. It's in the fucking title. It's in the title. They right cover right. that in the beginning of the movie as well. But, but it's in the title, yeah. Lone Survivor. So when you're sitting there going, God, I hope they make it. No. <laughs> so uh, me, Earl, and the dying girl. Yeah. Go on. Uh, on a personal note, I had another difficult... Uh, thought process of seeing this movie because of cancer. Uh, Michael Hutchinson and myself 
have been volunteering with kids with cancer um, since the I was Sunshine fi- Kids. Sunshine Kids since I was 15. I am 46. So for 31 years of my life, I would say at least of all the times that I've given my time, given my thoughts, given my prayers, I would say at least 10 full years of my life has been g- given over to this age group that this movie is based on. Um, and they, they sit there and they're dying in a hospital. And basically what Michael and I have done has been volunteering of getting them out of the hospital, doing something quote unquote normal or fun or wacky. So when movies like this come along, there's always that like tinge of like, Oh, I don't know if I could watch this. Mm -hmm. Um, And I can honestly say I was 100% wrong on this movie Mm -hmm. in saying that this movie is the, the best movie ever created ever created for teenagers that have been dealing with cancer. Yeah. It is the best movie I've ever seen. 100%. If, if you know somebody that's dealing with this, they have to watch the movie. Mm-hmm. Kid or adult. I anybody. Think, yeah. Anybody. Any age. This is the best. This is the Whether greatest. Whether you are the person with cancer or the yeah. person dealing with the person with yeah. cancer. And this, this is by no means like an emotional drama, no. you know, heartfelt. No, that's Going to make you cry. It's, no, it's that's, nothing that's, like that's that. Why. That's why. Because it's like it doesn't pull on heartstrings. It doesn't go yeah. for the, the simple, you know. Uh, it's a, a very a, unique movie. It, it, is it doesn't not, go for like the simple, very simple, simplistic bullshit. Um, let's get, you know, let's get involved with this person and, oh, they die and you're going to cry and you're going to, you know, right. It's not that at all. I don't think I cried. No, I I didn't even tear up, which uh, I teared up and you care about the characters. I teared up at the very, very end. You have a different understanding. Um, no spoiler, but look, but when he's looking at the books at the very end, you know, he opens it up and she's drawn out. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh, that, that was fascinating. I was just like that right there. Yeah. That right there, that one shot, you know, made the, the other two hours, um, even better. I you thought know, it was so realistic. Earl's, so good. Earl's video to her. Oh yeah, oh, was yeah. the most thought provoking, yeah. and yeah. how it changed his life. This isn't a spoiler. Like uh, me and Earl, the two characters, um, they make really, 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 really bad homemade movies. Yeah, and that's kind of like an ongoing joke through the whole movie. And then somebody brings up the idea. It's like you know, to me, to the the lead character. Why don't you make a movie for her? And so he goes on for four or five months of trying to figure out a way to make something for her. And it's kind of, uh, but other things go on, which is also great. It doesn't, it doesn't like yeah, simplify even that. the story where it's just like, Oh, he's just on a quest to make this perfect movie for her. It's just like everyday life of like dealing with high school, dealing with yourself, dealing with friends, you know? And then the ultimate is dealing with the bullshit that somebody that you know has cancer. Yeah, and you can't in, and that you can't do anything about it, um, and that's what's great about this, you know, story, and that's what's great about me, uh, that the lead character, in that uh, he didn't even know what to do, he didn't know what to say, he just went with it, he's just like, I'm a teenager, I don't understand, boom, I'm just gonna say whatever, I'm gonna do whatever, I'm gonna be whatever, and that's why I think this is the the best. Yeah, as a he, he never walked, he never walked on eggshells, he never did, he never went out of his way to be different. He was just like. Fuck it. I'm going to be I'm, – I'm a 17-year-old, 18-year-old kid, and I'm going to be a 17 or 18-year-old kid, you know, in front of her and in front of other people. And uh, that's what makes it so – to me, that's what makes it so brilliant. As adults, we always want to know the right thing to say. Some Something tragic happens to somebody, and, you know, you say to yourself, I, I just – I don't know what to say. Yeah. But as kids, you don't say, I don't know what to say. You say, that's fucked up. 
Yeah. That sucks. It sucks that you and, have and cancer. And little it sucks kids. So like you die. Even have- and, and, you know, it's just total honesty. And uh, as, as adults, I mean, we lose that because we feel like there should be something we want to say, oh, uh, God has a plan. And sometimes the right answer is there's no plan. There's, there was no plan. Yeah. There's no reason that, you know, your loved one was plucked from you. It just right. fucking sucks. Yeah. And partly I wish that people would realize that it just fucking sucks. Move on. Right. As opposed to what the kills people is trying to figure out why. Why was it my kid right. or my husband or my whatever, my spouse that got cancer or got hit by a bus or whatever? Why, why, why? And... If you just accept it, it it happened, mm-hmm. and that's not to say that like let's throw this away with feelings. But the movie is someone covers this. If you just accept it and just live life with it, mm-hmm. it's the best thing to do. Yeah, because like there's it. no there's no walking on eggshells, and there's like no apathy. There's no there's not your typical storylines that are you know very uh, get you know get into these kind of stories, and uh, you know and. Or, the, the the kid who played Earl, I have to look him up again. I think his name was Siler. I am something not sure. Siler. He's great though. Earl's great. Is unbelievable. And yeah, when, Earl, and, and, Earl and, should have been nominated before Samuel it, Jackson was nominated for Hateful Eight. Earl did a fantastic job. When you think about like the whole uh, blacks were not you know involved with the Oscars, Oscars so or white. Yeah. Not to say that because he's black, and that's the other beauty thing is it's like not to say he's black. Earl almost steals the movie. Yeah, Earl. Earl's not nominated because he's not black. Earl's not nominated because he's acting as a kid in a comedic movie and nobody gives a shit. The Oscars have never given a shit about comedies. Um, You know, you you can look back at movies like that will stick with us forever. Hangover, forgetting Sarah Marshall, super bad. Um, these are phenomenal comedies that yeah. we watch over and over. Laugh at it. Happy Gilmore, with, with Adam really, Sandler at the top of his game. You know what's funny? Never won a fucking award any with, of these movies. So me, Earl, dying girl, Earl ain't getting an award. And what's because crazy, he's in a comedy, not because he's black. Yeah. And what's crazy is all these performances are phenomenal. They're phenomenal. Like yeah. if you go to Super Bad and you really watch Super Bad again. Jonah Hill, that was the, the his start, and like now he's you look at him Academy at nominated movies, actor. Now you're looking at they other movies that he's done, and he's like, "Oh, that was really good." And you sit there and go, "Yeah," because he's doing the super bad kid. Yeah, you know now he's just an adult with that same smart ass attitude, or you know whatever, or little jokes that kind of just you know punch you in the gut or stab you in the back. But um, yeah, the the kid who played Earl, uh, un freaking believably funny, unbelievably good. Um, and and again, he makes this little. They try to make these videos for her, and of course, every one of them, they're just like, you know, we. What is it like? Uh, Essentially, there's like, what do you say to someone who's dying? Yeah, and you like know. every single person said the exact same thing, and that's why they both like it. They watch them all, and they like shake their heads, and it's a great scene of them like they're shaking their heads, and like, well, fuck this, this is wrong because right. that's stupid. Yeah. We shouldn't be saying this to anybody. Yeah. And it was like that that great line of like. No, you can't say this. You shouldn't say this. You have to say something real. And then he goes on video and he says something in like what one paragraph that sums up like, oh my god, yeah, holy shit! Like you just sit there and you're like, just him saying that, it must have taken him something out of him. Like he had to walk around and you know have a cigarette or something after because it was so beautiful and so touching for a fucking movie for a character that's not even real you know like that that to me is a performance and uh he was brilliant. i hope and i, and I hope, I hope that since he's, he's in a movie about cancer he didn't walk around and have a cigarette yeah exactly um 
Well, he did. I mean, he did smoke in the movie, which is also a nice little fun poke at. I know kids, you know, that have, like I said, I've been dealing with kids, you know, my whole life. I say kids, you know, anywhere from 12 to, you know, 22, that they'll sit there and it's just kind of like, I am, they're going through crazy shit. They need to be normal. They're going to drink. They're going to do drugs. They're going to want to go, you know, fuck their boyfriend or girlfriend. They're wanna, they want they want to be normal. And then they're dealing with parents or nurses or, no, most not nurses, but doctors and people telling them, no, you can't be doing this. Mm-hmm. And what's great about this movie is, like, that's also one of those, not to be rebellious, it's just like, let's be normal. Let's just, this is it. And uh, so that's why me, the character me, is so, you know, he's he's amazing in the movie, too. Um because just like the way he just goes through life, um, it's it's just yeah, it's a fascinating story. I think uh, um, the guy who directed it, whoever directed it, if he does another one of these kind of teenage movies, um, and if it's nearly as good, he will be down as like the the new John Hughes because he really tapped into uh, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen year olds. Just brilliant. It was directed by and, Alfonso Gomez yeah. Rion. Yeah, who. What else he was the second unit director for Argo. So oh, okay. Yeah. He, he, you know, cut his teeth good there. Yeah. Uh, he actually, I think this is, this is the first real director, or mm. a, as actual directing credit, but second unit director on The Eagle, Eat, Pray, Love, Julia and Julia, State of Play, Babel, Bewitched, wow. um, Spanglish. He was a script consultant. Um, so well, right there, he looks like story. he started Walking the Dog. Oh, that's a short, let's see, uh, Casino. He was an uncredited shotgun shooter, and yeah. he was a PA on Casino. Yeah, so this is a kid well. who's worked his way up from yeah. PA um, through second unit directing and uh, uh, script if, supervisor. If you've ever, like, and if you've ever actually gone into a set, people, and you see what the second ads and the second directors and like the, the even like the thirds, like they work like twenty five hours a day. So some of these people, I mean, they're doing stuff and they're not getting paid or any accolades or anything except from the direct crew. Holy shit. He's going to so. be the director of the current war. Uh, this is a script that I actually read. Oh, well, they've, uh, <laughs> Benedict Cumberbatch is being cast yep. as Thomas Edison and Jake Gyllenhaal is George Washington or George Westinghouse. Um, this is one of the best scripts I've ever read. The current war. And it's about AC versus DC and Tesla versus Edison. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Westinghouse's yeah. involvement. And, uh, you know, it's a, I, I read the script and I, I wasn't sure. I couldn't figure out how they were going to make it because Edison, uh, historical fact to prove that uh, AC electricity was bad, Edison went town to town and would uh, have public executions mm-hmm. of gorillas, uh, electrocutions yeah. of gorillas and elephants and uh, all sorts of stuff like that. And people would show up to watch these animals die. You can go on YouTube and see the footage, the actual footage of the elephant that is electrocuted to death. And like 1,500 people are in attendance. Mind boggled me like that there's a time in our history where there were uh, playbills posted around town. Come see the electrocution of an elephant. And people were like, oh, kids, this Sunday, let's go see an elephant get killed. And normal people, not psychopaths, normal people. Like all got around to watch Edison uh, yeah. fry an elephant. Um, so with all those moments, I'm like, there's no way this can fucking be made. But uh, he's going to be directing. It's a phenomenal wow, screenplay, so it should be a great movie. Um, Anyways, if he does another – well, I mean, that movie's going to take a while because, I mean, that's a big movie um, with big people. But if he does another movie or two 
in this realm of dealing with high school kids, I, I, I can honestly say he would be the next John Hughes. Oh, Thomas Mann played Greg in Me, Earl, and a Dying Girl. Thomas Mann, yeah. And uh, he was in Project X. Yeah, he was the kid, He was the lead in Project X. Uh, and Earl sick. is R.J. Seiler, so, yeah, something who Seiler. was from uh, Power Rangers. <laughs> um, I guess he's one of the Power Rangers. Well, he wasn't he an was actual cop. Oh, he's going to be playing the Blue Ranger. Funny. Oh, he's going to be in the upcoming Power Rangers movie. movie as the Blue Ranger. Right. Uh, uh, aside from me, Earl and Diane Girl, he hasn't been in much. There's mm-hmm. a couple of things here, but nothing big. But yeah, he was brilliant. So, R.J. Seiler, is that, was that it? Yeah. Yeah, unbelievable. Unbelievable performance. Yeah, good movie. Definitely. Oh, my God. Definitely Dude. one of the few that sticks out that and, and will this, be watched more than once. And this movie, not, when I, not only would I tell people to watch it, I would sit down and make them watch it and i'd watch it with them oh so yeah this is one I, of the, i'll watch Maryland dying girl this is again. one of the few movies out of all the independent weird little quirky shitty movies like you know it's like well, whatever or even some of the bigger movies like uh spotlight or you know whatever mm, don't yeah never gonna watch again yeah you know, i'm not gonna watch well that big again. short i've already watched three times and i'll watch big, big short again Big short yeah big short right i think there. i think big short is one of the best edited movies ever Big, well, look at the editing in this. Look at the way that he created this stuff. You know, with the moose. You know, uh, you know, crushing every time. You know, every time. Uh, yeah, every right. time the beautiful girl, you know, the touches beaver. him. Yeah. You know, it's you know he's being crushed. Yeah. You know, by a big, uh, a bigger animal. Um, a lot of weird editing in this too. Also, a lot of quirkiness. Yeah. Um, and, and a lot, uh, and a lot of it also, kind of being thought out, like in an eighteen-year-old. You know, way from an eighteen-year-old you know, perspective. The, yeah, yeah. I, mean, I can't even say that, right? Um, but the, the perspective was quick, but also not like you know OCD or over the top. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it made sense for film, like Big Short. Big Short, I don't think is really OCD. It just it's a lot of thought-out sequences and scenes and stuff, and it just made sense the way it was presented. But yeah, Big Short, uh, this movie, and obviously Mad Max, obviously. Mad um, Max. You know, just again, just a handful of movies that you would want to see again. Yeah, that you would want to see like with a friend or. I don't a even know if I'd ever watch Hateful Eight again. I haven't seen it yet. Okay. Yeah. All right. We'll I'll get. I'll get. It, and it's funny. It's it's really weird when it comes to that. Um, being that the thing, John Carpenter's the thing, is my all time favorite movie, and everybody's comparing it. You know, that doesn't actually help me want to go see the movie you know on top of that so it's like i love kurt russell and i love quentin but you're They're like comparing hateful eight to the thing yeah they just put it together yeah okay i don't get that did you see the thing oh god yeah yeah i've seen the thing several times well no it was just at his movie the new beverly cinema and they they had like uh big people were there too i think kurt even showed up and other people were comparing the two and saying how eerily similar Enyo's music is in Hateful Eight, and it's up for Academy Award. And mm-hmm. They're just saying there's so many similarities, and Quentin's come out finally saying that he actually wants to make a horror movie, even though Hateful Eight is his the thing. So he actually said that in an interview, and it's like, okay. So I'm like, I haven't seen it. Mm-hmm. Um, I still, you know, The Revenant and Hateful Eight, I definitely need to see. But it's one of those. I know both movies are going to be pretty intense, and they're both about two and a half hours, three hours long. So it just comes down to. to shit there's so many other movies i need to see or would want to see uh so let's talk about the oscars yeah let's get your predictions um for best picture mad max uh the nominees are well (laughs) you could tell me who you want to win and then who you think's gonna win Mm. nominees are the big short bridge of spies brooklyn mad max the martian the revenant room and spotlight now obviously you want mad max to win but who do you think's gonna win revenant 
Uh, I agree. I think Revenant. I haven't even seen it yet, but everything that surrounds that movie, I think Revenant's probably going to win. Um, they're not going to give it to a little movie like Spotlight or Room. They're too small to mm. be a, a best picture movie. Um, even though I think Room is a brilliant film. A lot of people loved Martian, but I don't think that it's going to be appreciated enough. That's the same with Mad Max. Uh, Brooklyn, I don't even understand why it's there. Um, I don't really, yeah, I don't get why it's really, what's it about? Uh, Brooklyn is a girl who, and what moves to Brooklyn? What religion is she based on? Oh, she's Jewish, right? Oh, okay. There we go. Oh, so that's why it's there. 90% of the, it's very racist of you. No, 90% of the voters (laughs) in the Oscars. Hello. I mean, I'm not not speaking out for the black people. Yeah, I guess that's true. They, They would gravitate to watching that. So then they would end up voting for it. Um, Bridge of Spies wasn't that good. I would love to see The Big Short win personally. I think it was the best movie of the year. I think The Big Short. I but, think The Big uh, Short actually might be one of those. Uh, a ton of people are going to be voting for Mad Max. A ton of people will be voting for The Revenant, and The Big Short might. You know, I think it's a cool thing to do right. to vote for The Revenant. Yeah, well, The Revenant or Mad the Max, popular thing. To you do. know, the popular thing. But then all of a sudden, I think it's also they could tie out, and The Big Short might come in. Uh, best director, uh, the director of the, the Room, The Revenant, Big Short, Spotlight, or Mad Max. The Revenant. I you think, think the yeah. Red, which is uh, I think Alejandro or Inaratu, who also did Gravity, yeah. and uh, I think Leo's going to finally win this year. I think the, I think the Revenant is going to. It finally took him doing unbelievably crazy things to his body and to other people, Leo, um, to really. Now, finally get the award. Out of this, I mean, I think uh, Alejandro is fantastic. I think Gravity is one of the best movies ever made. I love Gravity. But uh, I think Adam McKay, you know, from Anchorman days to directing The Big Short, is really the best director of the year. It's just phenomenal. But uh, you're probably right. It's going to be The Revenant again. Actor in a leading role. Brian Cranston for Trombo, Matt Damon for The Martian, Leonardo DiCaprio for The Revenant, Michael Fassbender for Steve Jobs, Eddie Redmayne for The Danish Girl. I honestly think Leo's going to finally... Yeah, I think Leo's going to get it. I haven't seen the movie, but they're going to give it to him for his body of work more so than just The Revenant. I think, um, I think it just comes down to, if, you, if you've been watching other award shows and just the way other people in the industry are talking about it, including even Brian Cranston and uh, Michael Fassbender... Um, they're even talking about Leo. So it's like one of those things that's, I think it's, um, and I talked to my dad about this, you know, several times. Um, I, I don't understand why Leo hasn't won awards before. I honestly, you know, the Wolf yeah. of Wall Street and What's Eating Gilbert Grape. Like when I watched what's, what's Eating Gilbert Grape, I saw it with my family. It was like one of these family things. Everybody thought he was really that way. And I'm like, no, oh, yeah. you know. The boy, this boy's life and family t- or family ties are one of the. I'm like, no, he's been a Disney, you know, growing kid. pains. He's from growing growing pains. pains. He's been like a Disney kid, like Kurt Russell, for like 15. You know, he's been working since he was like 10, and uh, and you just sit there and you're like, and the Wolf of Wall Street. I'm sorry, um, take take away the Coke and the naked people, and that part of the story. I thought Leo was unfucking believable in that movie. He was and great he, in the movie. And you just He's been like, great in everything he's done. Even if but, the, the Great Gatsby isn't a fantastic movie, but Leo's great. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but, Leo's uh, always been good. I yeah. love Now You See Me Now You Don't where he uh, plays the uh, oh, impersonates a Oh, Catch Me If You Can. can. Yeah. Sorry, Catch Me If You Can. Yeah, I love Oh, catch no, me yeah. Can. And that was Spielberg. And that was a weird one too. You're just sitting there like, "Come on, that was one of Spielberg's actually one of his best." What is Now You See Me Now You Don't? That's a magic movie. Oh. Now You See yeah. Me. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they made a sequel, and which I don't think anybody else. Well, the original movie wasn't. 
very the original um, the magic in the original the reason it doesn't work is because the magic in the original movie only works through the magic of filmmaking mm-hmm. like no one can perform those magic tricks right. in an actual arena yeah that's um, why i didn't care for the movie because yeah, i was like yeah this is a little good. silly uh, so I think Leo's going to get it. Leo probably deserves it. Or Brian. It. I mean, Brian uh, well, Brian still, Cranston was... Brian Cranston is still kind of like the... He's still like the person to vote for. I think if they I give mean, it to Brian Cranston, it's because they're giving it to the guy who was in Breaking yeah. Bad and not because they're giving it to the guy who starred as Trombo. Right. Not that he's bad as Trombo, right. but he's not it's, better it's, again, it's, as Trombo than he was in Breaking Bad. Yeah. Like, uh, So I don't know. Matt Damon is just... You know, no, that was Matt Damon. To role. me, I don't really understand that vote. Not nothing against Matt, but it was just like again. And I love really, I love his movies. I really like The Martian. I would not have even put one speck of you know vote into this movie for yeah. any award. I think this and Steve Jobs, I think both um, are completely and totally wrong all all across the board. Yeah, Steve Jobs is a bad movie, but. And aside from that, Michael Fassbender is the worst Steve Jobs. Well, I, I thought yeah. Ashton Kutcher was way better yeah. as Steve Jobs. Um, but yet again, and Eddie Redmayne, no one has seen the Danish Girl, so which is really odd if you think about his, you know, his line of work. Just like you know, since uh, for like the last five years, he's he's amazing actor, and I have not heard one person talk about the Danish Girl. When it comes to award shows, when it comes to anything, everybody's talking about Leo, which mm-hmm. is, you know, kind of, to me, that's why I'm kind of pushing it towards him finally. Um, and I say finally because, again, he's been doing this for 20 years. He's been nominated, what, four or five times for Oscars and five or six times for the Golden Globe. And you just sit there and you're like, seriously? Like, I mean, it's it's kind of a joke now, uh, you know, some of his performances, you know, not, you know, not getting awards. And again, you're like, well, what did other people do that year? And you're like, I, I've yet to see something Leo's been involved with that any other person could have done that role. And to me, that's one of the major criteria. It's like, I don't see, Brie, I don't see anybody else doing Brie Larson's, you know, in the room or room. So that, to me, that to me is a performance of the, you know, the best performance. When no other female character, I can't see any other uh, known actress or even semi-known person to do room, that's a performance. So actress in a leading lady uh, is Kate Blanchett for Carol, uh, Brie Larson for Room, Jennifer Lawrence for Joy, Charlotte Rampling for 45 Years, and Saris Ronan for Brooklyn. So you're saying Brie Larson. Brie Larson. Um, I haven't seen Joy. I've seen everything else. Uh, Kate Blanchett in Carol. The movie's no big deal. She's no big deal. Uh, Jennifer Lawrence and Joy. Everybody I, loves Jennifer Lawrence. Everybody so loves Jennifer very, Lawrence. Uh, you know, she could she could fart on camera and somebody would get yeah. an award for it. Charlotte Rampling in Forty Five Years. Uh, she, Only for Body of Work, possibly. The yeah the, she could do the something like performance that. is no big deal. The movie is no big well, deal. Well, but she's been working for fifty years. And so it's Sarice Ronan. Uh, the performance is no big deal in Brooklyn, and, yeah. and neither is the movie. Um, I don't know. I don't. You're saying Brie Larson. I'm thinking they're going to give it to Jennifer Lawrence. I don't really care who wins out of this group, but I think it's probably going to Jennifer. Yeah, Lawrence. I mean, Jen- yeah, I mean Jennifer. Uh, Brie's won a couple of awards for it already, which is you know it, it gives you like that that uh, you know little you know the lead, or I guess uh, you know when you start thinking about you know award shows or whatever. Um, again, I love Jennifer Lawrence. I've liked her since Winter's Bones. Like I've liked all. You know, I even like the Hunger Games because of her, uh, not necessarily because of the movie. Um, I think she's a great actress, but again, even putting Jennifer Lawrence in room, I would still think, you know, I was like, no, nope, Brie Larson, 
You know, I just, uh, it was that good. It was that strong of a story, that strong of a character. And like I said, just a couple of, a couple of nuances, a couple of scenes, a couple of just, uh, eye opening, uh, performance, you know, scenes in that movie just made her performance, you know, brilliant. Uh, actor in a supporting role, Christian Bale for the big short, Tom Hardy for the revenant, Mark Ruffalo for spotlight, Mark, Mark Raylance for bridge of spies or Sylvester Stallone for Creed. Um, ironically, Stallone could win because again, body of work. Yeah, I think he could he could squeak in, um, only because the other war shows the standing ovations and that kind of shit that he's you know received. Yeah. Um, the guy in Bridge of Spies, it was unbelievable. He was the only character that I even cared for, like in that movie. Like I didn't care, but you know anybody could have done Tom Hanks role. Which one was Mark Raylance? He was the the, the spy. He was the the guy. That oh yeah, 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 yeah. He was the, the yeah. Lead. He was phenomenal. Um. Tom Hardy again, you know, he is Mad Max to me now, so he could he could do no wrong anyway for mm-hmm. the last twenty movies he's done. It's like he's you know, he's amazing. Um who's the first one? Uh Christian Bale for the big short. Um Christian Bale for uh, for a reason for my heart, uh, towards music, because he is a real metalhead. I actually <laughs> looked up this guy. He he loves progressive death metal. In real life, he actually did that. So like what what Adam McKay did to these scenes mm-hmm. was actually spot on. He would actually come to work in like a T-shirt that was four dollars, in shorts that was four dollars, in sandals that was like seven thousand dollar personal sandals, and he would sit there and listen to death metal at six thousand watts of power while he was doing the math of what the fuck's going on in this you know world and mm-hmm. um, and what Christian Bale did to it. It was just such a bizarre character, even for him. Outside of American Psycho, I don't think he's really done anything this wacky before, and uh, he was so fucking good at it. Who like you, you, you watch that movie and you're like, "Holy shit!" I want to see. I want to watch the movie again for his role. Cause, so, who do you think is going to win this? Uh, I, th- I think Christian Bale could actually walk away with it. I want Christian Bale to win, but yeah. I think Sylvester Stallone's going to win. I think I think Stallone will do it only because you know he hasn't been there since Rocky. I mean, you talk about a body of work. It's like the guy's made what seven billion dollars. Yeah. And he got nominated for Rocky, and he's gotten nominated now. For he's one another... of Hollywood's most successful filmmakers. Yeah, and now I he's mean, getting nominated for the same role. Yeah, forty years later, accolades you know, it's, and it's financially crazy. and all of that. I mean, he's he's been phenomenal. Um, yeah. Actress in a supporting role: uh, Jennifer Jason Lee for The Hateful Eight, Rooney Mara for Carol, Rachel McAdams for Spotlight, Alicia Vikland Vikander for The Danish Girl, and Kate Winslet for Steve Jobs. Uh, Kate, Kate Winslet was pretty awesome as, uh, in Steve Jobs. She was. Like said, this movie's fucking terrible. Oh, you haven't yeah. seen it? Oh, the movie's I, terrible, I, I, but she's pretty like good. I told you, I saw like 15 or 20 minutes of it. I, and I was like, I was dumbfounded because there was seven, what, I think seven million words in the, even in the first 15 minutes. And I was just like, I, I, I have it a It is headache. Aaron Sorkin. You know, I have a headache. Um, uh, the girl who was in Ex Machina and the Danish girl, I think she's unbelievable. Um, who's the first one? Uh, Jennifer Jason Lee for Hateful yeah, Eight. Yeah, she'll, she'll finally get one. She's going to get it, and she is awesome yeah. in The Hateful Eight. And actually, when it comes to it, I want to see, if I do, well, I mean, I will see The Hateful Eight eventually, I want to see it for Kurt Russell and for her. I've always yeah. liked her. She's, she's always just weird. I know a lot of people don't like her and, and because she's weird, and she's picked weird, like very strange yeah. roles. She is a very strange person, even in real life. Um, but I just, like, I've always liked her, you know. And uh, the cop movie, um, yeah, where she's an undercover cop, you know, all the way back then with the the dude from Lost Boys. I thought even back then, you know, she's she's been you know she's been doing some weird roles and weird movies, 
and uh, maybe on purpose or I don't know, God only knows what you do. You know, like my dad, you know, when it comes to roles, the stuff that he's turned down or the stuff that he talks about, like what he was up for, it's always kind of baffled me. You're like, why didn't you do that? You know, and it's like, well, you know, shit happens. But uh, Jennifer Jason Lee. He was up for the part of Joel in Risky Business. (laughs) The part of Ferris and Ferris. No, but like the biggest one, and I was actually pissed off, was, uh, you know, Stapler from uh, Office, you know, Office Space. Oh, really? Yeah. He actually sat in with Mike Judge like three or four times and. It was it was up to him and the swing other swing line stapler dude. Oh yeah. god, Both. what a role! Yeah, and the other guy did. Of course, he really job. didn't do anything for his career, but the other guy I did love an amazing the job, swing line stapler. Just, you know, if my dad actually got well, because that would have actually been. And Mike Judge actually said this to my dad: this would be the first major role where he's not a cop. And it's true. It would have been what it actually first. would have done for your dad is your dad could have a career just going to conventions and making a fortune, <laughs> signing Absolutely. people's staplers. Absolutely. Um, but my dad has been a cop in like thirty movies and an ex cop in like ten other movies. So Mike Judge was actually right. He did his homework. He actually specifically wanted to talk to my dad, which was kind of crazy. You, you just think like, oh my god, dude, the guy that made Beavis and Butthead wants to talk. not just meet my dad, but talk to him and then you know really go into it. And uh, god damn, that was like one of the major things. He was just like, I want you not to be a cop. And my dad actually remembered that in the interview, you know, and he, and he got a kick out of it. And then. It went to another person. Uh, original screenplay. Bridge of Spies, Ex Machina, uh, Inside Out, Spotlight, or Straight Out of Compton? Uh, Straight Out of Compton will win um, only because of the, the fervor. The, the black, the, the, yeah, the whole black the, thing. The, but they're giving the award shit. to white people. The screenwriters yeah, are white. Yeah. 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 But I think that's going to be the only award. We, 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 it can, but I mean, if you really know the story of NWA, <laughs> it, it was white people. So, I mean, it was actually... You know, Paul Giamatti's character. You know, no, no, the, no but three. I mean, a, no, 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 I a, a black screenwriter could have taken. I look, it's fine that it's a white screenwriter. I think it's just the slap in the face that the only award that the black community gets is a white, the white guy that worked right. on their movie. Absolutely, because um, there are some fantastic performances in Straight Outta Compton, yeah. and I love Straight Outta Compton. We discussed it briefly we, before. We did, yeah. Um, again, the guy, whoever played Doctor Dre. Hopefully, he has a very, very long career. But unbelievable. Like I said last time. Love and Mercy, which is not recognized yeah. at all, yeah. I think is a better movie than Straight Outta Compton. Absolutely. And I love Straight Outta Compton. And a better, well, it's a better story. What was the first one? I'm sorry. Uh, Bridge of Spies, Ex Machina, Inside Out, Spotlight, and then Straight Outta Compton. Uh, well, Inside Out can also do it, too, because you know, it's Disney, Pixar. You know, yeah. People you know, go for that shit. Um, adapted screenplay. Mm-hmm. Uh, Big Short, Brooklyn, Carol, The Martian, or Room? Uh, the Room and Big Short will be duking it out for that one. I, th- I think Big Short might actually. I think the Big Short will actually win, and that might be the only one that they do win uh, for the movie. Um, again, Adam McKay uh, coming from Anchorman and those kind of movies, it's very difficult to get over the hump to get real votes. Um, even though, you know, even yeah. though people loved the movie, yeah, um, they don't want to give it away. But but at the same time, we're like, well, instead of just the, the you know the directing part, you know, you actually co-wrote this you know crazy story, so. Adapting from books yeah. out of it's this very, list, very yeah. probably The Big Short or The Martian. The Martian, well, the, or the, yeah, I mean, The Martian could the actually sneak in the same the same exact reason. Big, huge, gigantic budget. We're not going to give anything to Ridley. We're not going to give anything to Matt or you know whatever. But behind the scenes, like you made a really good movie out of a, a strange little story. So, so yeah, either The Big that could, Short. That, or that the one's Martian. up in the air. Um, again, uh, 
Big Short, Martian. We'll skip foreign language film. I've seen two of them. I don't think you've oh, seen what's the any. Foreign, what's the foreign language movies? Real uh, quick. Embrace the Serpent. Nope. Mustang, which I saw. And oh, it's okay. good. Uh, oh, A Son of Saul. Actually, I haven't seen yet. Uh, we have it, though. Feb and A War. Yeah. Uh, animated. Son of, Saul, Son of Saul will probably win. Animated feature, Anomalisa, Boy in the World, Inside Out, Sean the Sheep, and When Marnie Was There. Inside Out. Uh, it's either going to be Inside Out or Sean the Sheep, and yeah, I think you're right. It's no, going to be Inside Out. out. It, Disney Pixar. I mean, they, you know, again. Well, Sean the Sheep would be the the nod to the other side of the pond, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, I think it's probably Inside Out. I guarantee you, out of those five movies, that was the only movie seen in that category. And based on your uh, Hollywood is Jewish thing, I guess foreign language film would probably be Son of Saul. Son of Saul. Yeah. Uh, best sound editing. And I didn't mean anything by that, you know, bad. I know. By that. Yeah, Thank I know. you very much for pointing that out. But <laughs> it, when it comes down to it, look at the Grammys. I gave up on the Grammys a long time ago because I really, you know, I was in the music industry for years. I got to meet the people who actually voted and I was dumbfounded when you just sit there and you're like, oh, so it's literally, quite literally, 20 to 25 old, like really, really old white guys mm-hmm. in New York. Yeah. And that's it. They'd vote on music from around the world yeah. in 40 different categories. And you just sit there and you're like, how do they know rock? How do they know folk? How do they know they what's don't. going on in Europe? It's like because somebody, a publicist told them what to vote for. Mm-hmm. So they actually will vote for it to get publicity out of it. And that's what it comes down to. And a lot of the Oscar votes, unfortunately, when it comes to these movies, my dad has been getting these screeners all the way back to VHS. Yeah. You know, Woody Allen actually started the screening process because he knew he went to New York. He went to his own movie, and there was like nine people in the theater. And then all of a sudden, he's getting nominated. He's like, nobody fucking saw the movie. This movie made $2 million. Right. How did I get you know 17 million people to vote for me? If these 17 million people saw the movie, probably we would have made 40 or $50 million. Right. You know, his movie, you know, Hannah and Her Sisters, nobody saw the movie. It was nominated and won everything. And uh, you just sit there and you're like, yeah, because these people don't go see the movies. They don't either have time or they're, they're really fucking famous and they can't. Ironically, it's like Leo can't go to the movies. He literally can't physically go to the movie theater because, holy shit, what, would, you know, what the fuck would happen in that movie theater? Right. Um, so you have a lot of that. And you just, you know, there's also like 50,000 people, you know, that vote on these things. And, not, you know, like right there, the, 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 the animated movies and the foreign language film. Okay, I'm, we live in Los Angeles. This this podcast is in L.A. There's like eight theaters here that might show yeah. some of those movies. Yeah. And there's 90 movie theaters within, you know, like spitting distance. Right. So you sit there and you're like, it's not even being shown. Yeah, it's hard for us in then, L.A., New York, and major cities to see these movies. Yeah. Then on top of that, when you get 40 packages in one week and there's two or three movies in each pack, nobody even has time. Then you're like, then like me. I love watching movies. I am a movieaholic. And I sit there last night looking at that box of movies, and I'm like, I still haven't seen about 60 movies. Yeah. I've seen about 30. And it's like, holy shit. And my dad, like, he hasn't received all of them. Who has time? And you just sit there, and you're like, they don't have time to see this shit. Apparently, I have time. But again, like even you, you force yourself to sit down and look at all the movies you've seen, literally. Yeah. Okay, there's still about 50 other movies up for awards. Yeah. So you just sit there and you're like, there's, it's physically impossible because there's, there's too many categories. Oh, yeah. By movies. the time the Oscars roll around, I, I won't have seen everything. Yeah. So a lot of that. So then now it's just like, uh, you know, some of these movies nobody sees. Some of these movies people give up on. Like The Danish Girl. I guarantee you 10% of the people who vote have seen the movie. Right. They just voted for him because it's him and he's dressed like a girl. 
I guarantee it. And that's a very unfortunate and that's very, you know, sad or whatever if you really care about these, you know, award shows. But that's what happens. You know, there's just there's so many fucking movies out there now and there's so much to see or do that people are just, you know, bombarded. And then it comes down to like the like I said, the publicity side. I was in publicity for, you know, about ten years of my life and it's just like these people are very powerful and these people are very persuasive. And when you have four hundred publicists telling you what to fucking do on top of that then it's even like, what the fuck am I going to watch? What am right. I voting for? Right. Holy shit. If I do vote for the big short, you know, obviously it's, you know, it's a secretive, you know, vote. But now you look bad, you know, if the big short doesn't win or, you know, it right. just, you know, then it gets political and it gets this and it gets that. And, you know, it gets very fucking wacky. Like the Grammys, again, going back to another award show, it's complete horseshit, you know, some of these votes. And, and to sit there and to love heavy metal and be involved with heavy metal for like the last... 15 years of my life, you know, directly involved with these bands. And you sit there and you're like, who the fuck's... Oh, that's right. Four bands were nominated. Four were nominated last year in the heavy metal, you know, world. I can I can count 200 bands right now just off the top of my head. Right. So you're just like, really? Just four songs? Four songs uh-huh. out of like 10,000 CDs last year. And same with this movies. You know, it's like, wow. 200 movies are up for nominations. Nobody fucking sees these movies. I agree. I mean, you know, this isn't the end all be all. I don't, and, and again, like, I don't hold it in high regard. It's not like uh, just because something wins an award at the Oscars. Now I will respect it. Uh, you know, I, that whatever happens at the Oscars has absolutely no bearing on my life or what movies that I like. Um, you know, just kind of fun. This is what's nominated. So I mean, what to, we're... to go back to the Oscars, I actually enjoy the Oscars. I'm actually, I'm actually one of the few that like it, even though I know a lot of it is political. And like, Leo's going to win if he does win for the body of work. I, I enjoy watching the show too, but like, yeah. I mean, the whole thing about Oscars so white and black people boycotting the Oscars, and I mean, they're pretending like this is some uh, government officialized right. organization yeah. that needs to be diverse. Yeah. No, the Oscars, the Academy is a a private business and it's run by people who make those decisions. I mean, it's like, it's like going into Walmart and saying, you guys have to be union. It's a private business. They do what the fuck they want. If you don't like what they do, go somewhere else. Don't shop there. So, and that's all businesses straight down the line. Chipotle, not Chipotle, uh, uh, the chicken place that doesn't like gay play people. Right. Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A. Like, it's very simple. You don't like their politics, you just don't go there. But they have every right to have their opinions. That's That's the beauty of America. Yeah, they're not for the people. Even though the people may frequent these companies and these things all the time, it's not for the people. So uh, the Oscars is the Academy, and whatever the Academy wants to do, whatever, it's fine. Didn't mean to go on at such a long tirade, but it is... It's, Sometimes it, it, I think their choices are crazy yeah. in the Hollywood Foreign Press and Grammys. I mean, it does seem like, like you say, what the hell is that? But then you got to stop and think, well, who voted on it or where did it come from? Or, you know, and, you know, even the People's Choice Awards. I never picked up the phone no. and voted, so I have no say in that yeah. vote. Um, sound editing. Mm. Mad Max, The Martian, The Revenant, Sicaro, or Star Wars The Force Awakens? Uh, Star Wars win because it's uh, that's just what I agree. happens. Yeah, you know with this like the you main, can't the Star even, Wars the the new Star Wars movie has made has been so good made such a difference that the Academy can't look back fifty years from now and go oh, oh we didn't we didn't give it a, an award because right. 
that they they have to. Yeah, yeah they, we gave it to Sakaro that nobody has ever seen since. So I believe Star Wars is going to win. Um, like the Matrix, uh, the Matrix was not nominated for one upfront big award, but it won all four of the quote unquote minor awards, like you know the sound yeah. editing and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But then you look at the technical stuff that they did win. They changed, you know, sound. They changed the way you film now. So it's like even if you go watch the the Matrix now, all the tricks and all the stuff that they did in that movie, they created a whole new line. When you watch this movie like Star Wars, you're like, they did some pretty damn good sound here. These sound guys were yeah. fucking busy. They were busy. They did a lot of work. And you look at The Martian, and The Martian, I think the sound was really good too. You know, when you when you think of big movie, I love I love the big movie experience. We saw The Martian in a fucking huge screen. The sound is unbelievable. We saw Star Wars in a huge IMAX type of theater. The sound is just amazing. And you sit there and you're like, there's 10,000 things going on every minute, and everything sounds crystal clear. What's you're your like, favorite sound these days? Hmm? What's your favorite sound, your type of your favorite type of sound these days? What do you mean? Well, there's, uh, I think, a Sony SDDS oh, probably oh, still like exists. There's um, THX. There's DTS. My favorite is the ETX. I guess the ETX, because, I mean, that whatever. The, the uh, Arclight. The yeah, ETX, the Arclight, yeah, the Arclight sound, because it's like. I will pay the extra four or five bucks oh, it's incredible. to go to an arc light. Yeah. And you just sit there and you're like Dolby Atmos ETX, yeah. the Atmos. Because it's not it's not just loud. It's like I mean, sometimes you go to theaters and it's just really loud. No, the Atmos is like, like twenty one no, discrete speakers. Right. But and, again, it's like it's almost like if you you know, when I was a kid and when IMAX was first out and you hear all the the, the big huge sound, you're like, Yeah, but none of them's turned up a lot. It just has a lot of crystal clear, yeah. perfectly placed speakers around the theater, so you get into the movie. And we're mm-hmm. like, when you see Star Wars, you're in the movie. You see Mad Max, you're in the movie. And when it comes to sound and sound editing, that's the way it should be. Even like uh, Sicario, really, it is really pretty intense sound. You do feel like you're in that movie, but at the same time, like you were saying in you know some of your debates about the movie. It is just a TV-based movie with cussing and you know some violence. You didn't care for the movie. I hated Sakaar. Right. But at the same time, it, it's it's one of those things, not to dismiss those sound people, it's just, I would say, possibly an easier sound mix when you you know look at Star Wars with all the pieces and all the special effects and with the visual effects and you know the everything that goes into a movie like Star Wars. And then you kind of sit there and you look at the sound editing people and you're like... Holy fuck! We, <laughs> you know, it's like we got our fucking work out. You know, yeah. we got our work cut for us for like the next month or two. Well, speaking of work, visual effects, uh, Ex Machina, Mad Max Fury Road, The Martian, The Revenant, or Star Wars: The Force Awakens. Ex Machina. Uh, I I think I agree with you. Uh, some of the some of those effects, I was blown away. I am I am a special effects. Uh, visual effects nerd. I love the movies. I don't care if it's even a shitty movie or one of those sci-fi movies. Obviously, you know, Sharknado and all that kind of stuff is kind of making fun of visual effects, so you kind of get, you know, a giggle out of them. But um, you look at Ex Machina and you saw that on a real screen with real sound, and when she's walking around, sometimes it's really fucking unbelievable what they did. Yeah. Now and and so I was it, talking to Michael about this yesterday. Ex Machina. You could do you. It, it's such an indie script, mm-hmm. and it could have been an indie film. And you could have made a version, an indie film version of Ex Machina, with your home personal computer yeah. by yourself. That would have been good enough. When you throw four hundred people at it, it does. It is much much better and phenomenal. Um, 
And you put it's in really a... hard to make a indie version on your home computer of Mad Max or Martian or Revenant yeah. or Star Wars. Ex Machina could have been done as an indie film and been totally passable with just a home PC. They obviously didn't do that. A lot of talented people work on it, and it does look fantastic. That being said, a lot of people, I think, dismiss Mad Max oh. had a ton of sky replacement. There's a ton yeah. of effects, ton of background plates, ton Watch, of, like, so many effects were done in that go movie. Go on YouTube or go rent the, the like, the two-disc version. And if you watch, I mean, which is great because not too many movies do this. They do the side-by-side. And you see what the movie looks like, and then you actually see what they're doing. And it's just like I said, it's just like, un- it's like, it's unbelievable. Yeah. The stuff that they did visually. I think Mad Max is probably the most impressive visual effects movie out of this bunch. I mean, we've seen Martian and only Star because. Wars effects done before. The only Revenant, because. I haven't seen. I know he shot only with available light. And there was there's some exciting bear fight scene or something, I guess. Um, which I, I guess is all effects. But, uh, I, you know, I don't know. I, I Ex Machina or Mad Ex Max. Ex Machina, like it, it, to me, the other thing that like really connected with that is again the performance by her, and, and it was very simple. There's three people in the movie, so it's A, B, and C, and her performance is stunning. And then like the 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 special effects, so it makes it even crazier to me. And you, you're just like you're drawn into her character. You want to see more of her. Like you, you see, not naked people or anything stupid like that. But you're just like, I want to see more of that. Mm. And at the end of the movie, you really just like what you see. You're like, holy shit, that was good. Unbelievable. Like, mm. unbelievable work. Uh, film editing. Mad Max, Revenant, Spotlight, Big Short, Star Wars. I'm obviously big. Uh, I'm big Short, Mad Max. Big Short. Um, big Short, only like you said, I mean, we've talked about before. You've talked about several times is it, it's the unique. off-kilter, unique, weird uh, new way of film editing and film storytelling. Um, and then it comes down to when it's the special effects side of things, you know, again, Mad Max. Um, and just like yeah, the Road Warrior in, in, you know, 1982 or 80, yeah, 1982, 1983, when that came out, you know, what George really did was he created, you know, a whole entire world of just a chasing. Like that's basically what all the movies are is just one big chase. Right. And the way it's edited is just over-the-top, crazy brilliant. Because to do all that stuff with only a handful of cameras, I mean, obviously this was a bigger budget, but like to see Road Warrior, to go back to that movie, and you're like, wow, he only had two cameras. You watch that movie, you're like, did they do this scene like 40? No, they did not do these scenes 40 or 50 times. He went, they did those scenes like two or three times with two cameras. And in this movie, it's like, they went up and down this field, like this course, three or four times with just a couple more cameras, but the editing, it's so fucking intense. And it literally, you're on the edge of your seat because of it. So, um, you know, some people might go that route, but yeah, I mean, I, I think the way you went on and on and on about the big short. And then after w- witnessing that movie and watching that movie, you're like, this is just weird. Like really good, really interesting, very bizarre way of, you know, storytelling. That could actually win some people over. All right. Last big award. Cinematography. Mm. Carol, Hateful Eight, Mad Max, Revenant, or Sicaro? Uh, Revenant. Uh, you think it's going to go to Revenant? Yeah. I think it's going to go to Hateful Eight. It, 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 I, like I said, I haven't seen that movie. Because I, I think that's either, the but... only award that the Hateful Eight is up for. Yeah, pretty much. So that they have to. They like spreading it around, and they you know want to show Quentin some love. So 
Uh, I don't know. I think I, well, Revenant. Was, yeah. yeah, Revenant was shot only with available light. They've made yeah. a big deal out of that. It does look beautiful. So uh, again, like to go back to the Matrix, when, when the work behind it is when probably you go when you go out of your way and you do something that different, shoot a movie on an iPhone. I think that should be up for awards, even though even if the movie sucks, I think when you do something that different, that bold. Well, that was uh, the, the, looking the for Disney. Sugar Man. Well, won, that but uh, won the award escape yeah. from Disney or that little cheesy, you know the people. Oh, that, that thing was terrible. Disney. Well, no, but it's like it was shot on phones, so you just sit there and you're like, the, okay, not a great the, movie. The movie but... that they made in Disneyland without Disney's approval or Disney World. Yeah, yeah, so, I watched a little bit of that. It was terrible. <laughs> uh, well, but again, it's like it, it's it's showing. Improving what you can do on new technology. So, all right. So, sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's bad. You know, at least it's you know somebody trying to do something different. What else? What have we not covered? Uh, I'm not sure. I don't know. I think the Big Short should win everything, but it won't. Um, haven't seen the Revenant. I thought you thought that Mad Max should win everything, but it won't. No, no, that's my personal. You know, come on, that's like a fan. You know, fanboy. I think you know. I think the new Mad Max is just unbelievable filmmaking you know just the it, you see that movie and if you really really do watch it on a big screen somewhere you're not going to see anything else like it you know and i think you see big short you're not going to see anything else like it i think so Adam McKay mad max people, as uh if our audience can't hasn't been able to figure <laughs> out you really like it um it's consumed you so much yeah. that are you thinking about become ditching horror filmmaking no. and Becoming a grindhouse no. uh, car chase maker. Uh, grindhouse, yeah. I mean, I've always, would, liked, I've always. Would you put a, a car chase in your horror movie? If I had the money, if I had the opportunity to do something like that, and I wouldn't do like Death Proof. I wouldn't make a car chase for four months, you know, in Texas like Quentin did. But I would, I would definitely. Well, you throw know, when in, you're when you're at Quentin's level and you can do that, you would do that. Yeah, but you know, he's crazy. Um, but I would, I would, I would, uh, I would throw, I would throw in some car stuff. Only because I'm like I'm not a car person. I don't really give a shit about cars. I'm one of the few guys don't even know how to change oil in most cars or mm-hmm. all car. I don't really give a shit. Yet again, other people can do it, so they can do you it. You unscrew so something and stuff falls out, yeah, and then you I screw something back in, care. and you unscrew another yeah. thing, and you pour stuff in, and then you screw it back in. Don't give a shit. Someone oh else God. can do it. So when it comes to cars, I don't really care. But when it comes to movies like that, um, uh, it just it blows me away, you know. And again, it's uh, the the people that made those cars. You know, some of those cars were just fucking insane. Yeah. And it was so much fun. The The cars were a character, you know, just like the metal, just like the music that I listen to. People like, oh, how can you handle that screaming? And you're like, to me, it's just another instrument. It's it's telling a story, you know, and it's uh, you might not like the story. Or you might not like the way it's being told. But I know some of these singers and like if they sung it any other way, it would hurt that style of music. And it's like it's just another character piece. It's another you know something to the story and then you see a movie like mad max and you see a movie like uh the big short you know each of these characters are kind of over the top and weird and uh fucking assholes and they're you know they're they, they you know they would take ten dollars out of your wallet and not even care and somehow you enjoy that in this movie um mm-hmm. so uh, well that's the madoff story uh yeah, but it's, really, I mean, look at the it's very story. difficult I mean, you know, as you're these, watching the movie. It's very difficult to feel Richard Drivers does such a good job and they do a good job of explaining to you how Madoff did it. Yeah. And I don't mean like how he broke the law, but how he found himself in that position and why. 
that you're pulling for Bernie. I mean, or you for Madoff. You want him. You're watching this movie and you want him to get away with it. Similar to watching mm-hmm. The Big Short, even knowing that he's done something wrong and yeah. he shouldn't, and knowing that he isn't going to get away with it. Yeah. Um, you, there is a bit of a crossroads there going. And it's not that you want to see the other people suffer. You're yeah. just sort of, you know, you're compassionate to you. you understand what's happening right. and you're like, oh, okay, I, I, there, I get this. And back to what we were talking about psychopaths earlier to bring this back around is um, it's just understanding what the, what that empathizing and understanding what those other people are going through right. or what their day is. Right. Uh, we're very quick. You're driving down the road and someone cuts you off and you're very quick to just be pissed off at that person and fuck you. And who does this guy think he is? But you have no idea what that person's day is. Right. And, uh, and the older I get, the more compassionate I get because it's like, yeah, there's, you know, God only knows what the fuck's going on. That yeah. Who life. knows? Who knows? You know, he yeah. might just be an asshole, but you know, he might be going somewhere. He might, he might be yeah, coming might from be something. Reason. You know, but even if he knows. is, my take is, is even if he is just a total prick, I don't care. I'll just yeah. move. Whatever. You're not like, going to see that person again what's probably gonna, ever for the rest of your life. Yeah. Of shit. What's so, it going to do? It's going to add another five minutes onto my day or another 10 seconds. Yeah, fuck it. Just, just move on. Yeah. So All the, right. Well, I'm Vince Roca. Uh, Martin Bailey. And for more on the show, visit getconvinced.com.